Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Are you looking for a God-conscious husband? Or do you have a friend that is looking for a compatible spouse? Getting married is one of the most important decisions of your life. So before you embark on your marriage journey, you need answers so you have clarity and confidence to find a compatible husband. Smart Single Muslimer is a thought-provoking Muslim marriage guide for Muslim women. In the book, you'll discover how to find a husband how to find out if you are compatible, what questions to ask a potential spouse, and how to deal with disappointment. Adopting a smart Islamic approach to relationships is about following some simple prophetic principles that will change your habits and attitudes about getting married. If you want honest pre-marriage advice that addresses contemporary issues you're facing, then you will find this book extremely useful. Available to buy on Amazon, in Kindle or paperback format. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Farhat Amin. I'm your host. Alhamdulillah, today I have um, Brother Fahim Farouk um, as a guest. And uh, inshallah, let me just give you a little bit of background information about uh, Brother Fahim before we get into the podcast. Fahim Farouk is the founder and head coach of Focus 180 a holistic approach to personal development through relationship and vitality coaching. Throughout eight years as a holistic coach, he has primarily served the holistic development of boys and men in an age of emasculation. He has held workshops for various Islamic organizations across North America to address a range of issues such as manhood, mental health, and gang violence. He's also a published author with degrees in philosophy and psychology. So I wanted, the reason why I asked Brother Fahim to come on was that I think for many single sisters um, and even for mothers and aunties, when, you're, when we're thinking of pre-marriage and thinking about who uh, would make a suitable 
spouse or our whether it's our daughter or whether it's for ourselves we tend to only ha- we have a female perspective and mushla because as I, as i've just said um read out brother's experience he ha- he works with uh young men he works he he's he's very knowledgeable around the subject of muslim men and what i thought it would be so nice to get a male perspective on um pre-marriage and what men are looking for and so that as women we can then think okay um let me bear that in mind when i'm thinking and um and looking into this subject so assalamu alaikum brother how are you wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh allahumma salli ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam alhamdulillah it's my pleasure and honor to be on your show thank you so much for having me i'm doing quite well Oh, alhamdulillah, that's brilliant. Um, I follow you on Instagram. And so, mashallah, you're always posting really good advice. And um, and when I, I think, I can't remember how I started to follow you. Actually, I think it was maybe a book that you posted. I think it was Return to Modesty. Do you remember ah, posting okay. that? Yeah, that's how. Yeah, and alhamdulillah, I'm so happy I saw that because then I read that and that really helped me. That actually helped me when I was writing my book. Um, and yeah, so if um, what's your Instagram handle? My Instagram handle that is most active is come let us seek with no spaces. Mm-hmm. And you can also find my practice by looking up uh, focus underscore 180. Okay, Alhamdulillah. Okay. I would definitely recommend everyone to do that. So so yes, yeah, so inshallah, there's just a few topics we're going to cover today. I think one of the main things that I'm noticing, and you can tell me if it's the same for yourself, is that when sisters are looking to get married, what has happened is there, there seems to be um, two sets of ideas about men, specifically Muslim men. And one of them is that they look at, women will look for someone who will uh, be very, um, what can I say, very progressive and open-minded and let them do whatever they want, not be one of those kind of control freak husbands uh, as they would, um, as they're thinking it, and that they don't want anyone who's going to be restrictive, you know, someone who's going to accept them completely as they are. Now, is that something that you have noticed as well? SubhanAllah, it is everywhere in the Western world. Uh, we're seeing it in areas of Europe where the liberal progressivism is quite strong. And we're even seeing it in places like Australia, where once again, the liberal progressivism is quite strong. So definitely I see it. Mm-hmm. And so as what's wrong with that? Do you think that, um, yeah, really, that's my question that some sisters will be thinking, well, again, what's wrong with that? If I want, I'm, you know, I've got a particular lifestyle. I've got certain ideas. I've got my life the way it is. I just want a Muslim husband who will fit in nicely into my life. Is that, when I think about that, I think, is that even realistic? That's a good question. That's a very good question. And it's very important that young Muslim men and women begin to contend with these questions and begin to understand why they're wrong. Because in my following, I have a lot of brothers and sisters who follow me on Instagram, and they will comment on my story saying that they already agreed with the perspective I was uh, conveying, but they just didn't have the words to relay it themselves. They knew something was wrong, but they couldn't frame it. And so when you're in a society where the dominant narrative that's perpetuated politically through popular culture and even educational institutions is, hey, you should be free to do whatever you want. Girl power is the mantra. 
any man who has any opinion that negates what you think or believe or seek to do is automatically this toxic, evil person. Well, if you're in that environment, chances are you're going to either feel a lot of resistance for going against the grain or you're going to be swept up in the tides. And in either case, you're going to need to know what it is that you believe and why if you wish to be authentically grounded in a way of thinking that is sensible and principled, right? And also therefore open to looking at the data honestly. So when we look at that question, why is it wrong? Well, it's wrong for multiple reasons. For one, it is entrenched in a nafsi perspective that I myself am living exactly the way I should be living. That I myself, have no room for improvement whatsoever, and no one else is impacted by me. And if they are, I don't care. I'll take all the benefits of a relationship without considering the impact I have on the other parties in those relationships, and I don't need to change. But realistically, you can't function in a society like that. That kind of thinking, it reeks of individualism to a very extreme degree. To such an extreme degree that if you look at the West, which itself has been entrenched in liberalism for centuries, even in older generations, just a few decades ago, when there was a bit more conservatism, people would still reject that thinking. They would still recognize why that was faulty, that, hey, we are in a community that operates on relationships. We're not social atoms just floating around like bubbles, you know, accidentally bumping into each other every now and then with no consequences on each other. Rather, we affect each other. We need each other. We're interdependent. We look at how the economy works. We look at how any social function works. We see that everyone, men and men, women and women, children and other children, all of them are interdependent. So if you operate with this nafsi perspective, you're out of touch with reality, first and foremost, on, on a very basic physical level. But you're mm -hmm. also out of touch with it on a deeper level which is why did you, or why rather, why were you placed on this earth? You were placed on this earth for an objective purpose, which is to worship Allah and follow his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's core to our creed, right? So that kind of thinking, it conflicts with this aspect of our creed fundamentally, because from this creed, we get numerous other injunctions, like enjoining the good and forbidding the evil, right? Mm -hmm. giving nasiha sincerely, upholding the public good as Islam envisions it. And so all of those are actually injunctions that require that there are certain standards that society follows. It's not just a free-for-all, mm -hmm. right? And even people who think this way that, you know what, I don't have to change for anyone, little do they realize that they themselves actually believe in a lot of social standards too. That if, you, if others were to go against, they would have a huge problem with it. They would all of a sudden then they would be the ones to haram police, right? Mm -hmm. You see yeah. this already, like you see, you speak out against LGBTQ propaganda. All of a sudden, you've committed a cardinal sin in their books. You speak out against feminism in any way, even if you provide a good argument on a lot of university campuses and a lot of workplaces. Same thing, you'll be canceled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so because that that that's so that that makes sense if. I think for um, 
for the sisters that I'm speaking to, I think one of the reasons then why they have come to that conclusion, well, no, actually, no, sorry. I, one thing I've realized is that sisters don't realize where that idea comes from. They, they've, um, we will think it's, that is okay with Islam because in Islam there is um, no compulsion. In Islam, you know, um, we should, you know, no one should force you to do anything. That's the way that the thinking has kind of um, allowed and accepted. It's trickled in. Yeah, it's it's okay. like justifying the way I want to be. But now, this this is the thing that if you're then serious about getting married, and this is the conversation I've been having for a long time with um, through my book and through podcast that why why are Muslim women finding it so difficult to get married? Now, if you present yourself as someone who my life is okay. I just want someone to fit in. If, why would a man want want that? You know, that's what I'm thinking. That from from so you speak to men. That is that Absolutely. something that they then want? Absolutely not. Men value women who are coachable. Frankly speaking, they value women who are willing to follow their lead, and they want that woman, especially if this is a man who is of of a higher caliber of practice of value he is uh, higher in terms of being being high in self-truth like he he has self-awareness he's committed to living a healthy lifestyle trying his best to follow the dean right he's going to want a woman who likewise has an authentic attachment to sound principles that are compatible with his own but he's still going to look to see if she can cooperate with his leadership because that's his primary function Right. Mm -hmm. It's an injunction. It's an injunction from Allah and his messenger. Wasallam. we see it built upon through the rich legal tradition that we have. And then even naturally speaking, we look at societies throughout history. We look at all the different permutations and combinations of how relationships can work. And we find that for the vast majority of human history, almost every society just seemed end up in the structure where the man would take leadership in some way, shape or form. And that's not to say that every single combination of that is automatically good and just, but the fact of the matter is we can very easily infer on top of looking at the fact that our Dean itself prescribes male stewardship in marriage. We can even see that Allah has created us with natural capacity differences and natural orientation differences that show up in how we relate to each other as men and women women who say we want a man who will let us do whatever we want are the same women who by and large become less and less and less attracted to a man in marriage who does that. They feel like that man's not invested in them. Right. Mm -hmm. When I talk to women who are having marital issues with their husbands, that's the number one complaint and they'll signal it in different ways. They won't always spell it out, but they'll say things like, I wish he was more assertive. I mm -hmm. wish he was clearer. I wish he had, you know, more self-respect and the guy is confused because he's just trying to do what he thinks he's supposed to he's just trying to follow what he heard various millennial women say and what he heard the media teach him through movies and and books and just popular ideas and he's finding that it's not working he's he's also finding that he's betraying him not not only himself he's betraying the truth when he's when he tries to do that for a woman or anyone and it, it doesn't create that attraction. It doesn't mm -hmm. create that, that 
the, the foundations of, of what is needed for there to be attraction. So when women want to know what men who are actually grounded in a self-awareness of what it means to be a man Islamically, and when you consider the fitra, they, they should understand that men who are realized want women who can follow their leadership, provided that they do the part that they're supposed to, which is to earn that trust and respect, then they want that trust and respect. And mm-hmm. that will show up as I can cooperate with your stewardship. I can support your stewardship. Yeah, you, you might need advice. You might need your, your blind spots to be watched because you're, always, you're, you're already focusing on the road ahead. Maybe your blind spot needs me, my eyes. Sure, no problem. That's good. A man can appreciate a, an intelligent woman who can provide that. But he wants to know, can this woman step into my frame? Mm-hmm. Right. Now, now, you mentioned leadership a, a couple of times, and I think this is probably one of the most misunderstood um, ideas when it comes to marriage. That, um, again, this is when women think of, okay, the idea of obeying your husband is so alien to women. It's like, you know, um, jumping in front of a bus or something that why would, that is the last thing I would ever want. And if a a man knows, if I say to a prospective woman, (laughs) I'd like you to obey me, she's gonna run out the door. So (laughs) could you explain in the idea of, you know, leadership in a family in Islam, what does it, because, we need some clarity on this. Totally, totally. Leadership has really two parts to it. There's the positional part. So you have the actual official title, right? You are the wali. It comes with technical roles, responsibilities, and rights. And then there is the dispositional part. This is the part that is most important and most relevant to to our situation today. This is the part where if you have the position, but you don't have the dispositional part, you're going to suffer a lot in your marriage. And the dispositional part is having the skill, the actual skill as a man to naturally melt your woman into submission. And when I say submission, again, it can get knee-jerk reactions, right? Mm -hmm. We remember that the word Muslim itself means one who submits to Allah. Right. So the word submit isn't automatically a bad thing. And in this context, it doesn't mean you're submitting to a to creation at the expense of submitting to the creator. Rather, it just means you are ultimately following the creator and his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, through the command that they have given, through the created means that they have given. In this case, following the husband. <clears throat> now, a man who has the skill of leading. He's going to be able to naturally adjust the behaviors of people who are supposed to follow him. He's going to know how to deal with the friction that comes up. He's going to know how to work with it, right? He's going to know how to validate the people around him when they need that. And he's also going to know how to invalidate some of their behaviors where they need to get fixed up. And he's going to know how to do it in a way that actually makes them feel understood and cared for ultimately, right? If you think about if you ever had a teacher that you really respected or a coach, and even guys can relate to this because even amongst men, there is hierarchy, right? We look up to other, other men, other men have 
a level of authority over us, like our, our, our shuyuk, our teachers, our fathers, right? Older brothers. So sometimes when you were under their care or their guidance, you might have needed them to set you straight. You were out of, out of line or out of order. And it didn't necessarily feel good in the moment. But if they were good at their job and you were at least somewhat reasonable, you'll find that overall in the end, you came around, you, they accepted you, and you were able to become closer through that experience. And you realized they were looking out for your best interests. They were just guiding you. And they recognized that in that moment, you were in a place where you needed a harder stance from them instead of a softer one. And later, a softer one came. And you end up respecting them more because you think this person was real with me, authentic with me, and that's the basis of true intimacy. You can't be intimate with anyone, even within the same gender, if you're always fake. You're always holding back what you really think and believe because you're afraid. And, and that holds you back from doing your actual job. You can never fulfill your actual role over the people you're responsible for because you're afraid of upsetting them. That's gonna destroy the relationship because from the get-go, you're walking on eggshells. You're not able to actually meet their needs because their needs may not be aligned with their wants. And if there's a clash there, you have to be the one who has the courage to make that clear and prioritize their needs over their wants, which is gonna create some friction in the moment, but it's gonna to lead to long-term release, long-term comfort. And so when a man can do these things by tapping into two energies, the Jalali energy, which is majestic, firm, and the Jamali energy, which is beautiful, soft, right, charming, and he can combine these together in his family, he's going to see that people will naturally respect him. They're going to just naturally follow him. And men and women need to understand this, that women naturally like to follow men they respect. That's the key. They respect that they trust. It relieves them of stress. It allows them to just melt into their femininity. They don't have to worry about constantly taking care of things, holding the load. It actually allows them to, them to, to thrive. So when a man can actually do that, he'll find that most, most women who are reasonable will actually respond positively. And women who have never experienced this, they themselves may be surprised at how it feels. They might be surprised at how it actually feels that, hey, I actually find this surprisingly liberating. I feel like I'm tapping into something that has been stripped of me, that society has told me that I'm not allowed to or shouldn't tap into. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you think then that um, currently the environment uh, and we're specifically speaking about UK and US and your, your experience is more US. Um, that do you think um, within Muslim communities and families, do you think they are nurturing this, um, what you described in men? That So this idea of um, preparing men for marriage, preparing men for the leadership burden to be a provider. Do, do you think that's happening or, or not so much? I think that it's severely lacking. And there's a, there's a, a severe lack of attention that's being given to the proper development of boys into men, right? For example, there is no notion of a rite of passage from boyhood to manhood. And even worse than that now, there's no real concept of what is manhood. For a lot of millennial guys, 
they don't really know what that means. What they, what they think it means is how can we step back and validate this new wave of liberal progressive run female empowerment. And I put female empowerment in quotations, obviously, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. that's the marketing. We all know that that's not really the case, but that's what's being sold to them. And even, even a lot of the millennial guys are falling for it. And I actually did a poll for my own followers. Most of the sisters are very traditional and they're, they're more conservative leaning. So they, they wouldn't have a problem with anything that I've said so far. They would actually ask questions like, well, where, where can we find a guy who has this training? We would love to find that. And yeah. my poll basically asked them, you know, do you find that in your search for marriage, when you're talking to guys that they were, they were trying to act more progressive than they really were to impress you. And I think like 70% said yes. So a majority, at least in my, in my circle, which is obviously a small sample size said yes. And when I look at the men that I work with, I see that they all come from backgrounds where they tell me, this is the message they got to that. We have to pretend to be more progressive, step away from traditional concepts of, of manhood of Rojula and Fatua, and that's going to be better for women. That's going to make them more attracted to us. That's going to make them trust us more. And we find that that's not the case. So much so that most of them at best will learn that being a husband and father just means financially providing. That's it. Mm-hmm. There's, nothing, there's nothing more there. There's no, there are no psychosocial, uh, emotional, intellectual, or physical functions that come with manhood in the home it's just we go to work earn money come home and it's a very reductionist look at what it means to be a man because you know even even the struggle of going to work you know comes with so much more than just a robot getting up walking to work or driving to work punching in their number coming home right it's it's much it's a much more human struggle and it's there's there's a unique aspect that men face that ties into what they're capable of, of bearing for their families and what they have to bear in other areas of their family life too, that many of them are not being taught to bear. So that they might show some resilience when it, when it comes to not complaining and getting to work every day, but then they'll be taught, don't be resilient when it comes to dealing with your children's issues. Just be passive there, step out, you know, back off, let them do whatever, let, let your wife handle it. Or if you see that there's confusion growing in your wife because of popular culture trickling into the home through television, through magazines, maybe through the influence of her friend circles, just sit back. Your job is just to work, earn money. And so that's what I see happening to a lot of the guys in, in Canada and the U.S. Mm-hmm. You mentioned um, Rajula and um, I can't remember, sorry, the other, Fatua. Fatua, yeah. Fatua. Could you explain what those two terms mean? So Rajula means manhood and Fatua uh-huh. means chivalry, uh-huh. chivalry, right? And manhood is, you know, what, we, what we've been talking about. What is the proper form of a male when they, once they mature? Well, what kind of functions are they supposed to actually lean into once they've matured? And Fatua is, you can think of it as, how do you refine your manhood? How do you actually polish it? And so before we talk about chivalry, which is Fatua, I always like to talk about manhood because it's a prerequisite for chivalry, Like you have to be a man properly. You need to know what that means before you know how to, how to refine it, before you know what it means to be chivalrous. And a good example of this would be when people think of chivalry, they, they often think of 
someone who has some kind of power, some kind of authority, but they use it to serve their dependents. They use it to take care of those who are more vulnerable, right? So you see like the image of a gentleman or the image mm-hmm. of a, a pious ruler comes to mind. But a man who doesn't even have that power and he, he is impotent, he's like a doormat. He doesn't even have the capacity to be chivalrous because he's not, he's not acting from a place of authority. He's already at the bottom. He's already a doormat, right? He feels disempowered. He feels like a doormat. He's not letting people be given extra leeway or giving or sacrificing for them from a place of strength, from a place of, 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 of self-assurance or for, a, for deeper principles. He's doing it because he thinks that he's fundamentally inferior and he wants other people to validate him. If I give them this, maybe they'll like me. Mm-hmm. And that's a very different state to operate from. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Because do you, um, you know, going back to uh, what, what women are looking for in a man then. So if we really, you know, in a nutshell, looking now, you know what you said about um, men pretend to be more progressive, Muslim men pretend to be more progressive. Um, yeah, I was speaking to some male relatives about this in my family, and they were saying um, that, yeah, they see their friends doing this and that their friends who will feel they can't even they won't even mention the I just have a discussion about would they want their worth wife, wife, wife to work after they get married issues relating to ah, child yeah. care they don't want they're not even going to bring them up because they said they will get cancelled and they will not be able to they won't even get their foot through the door and so what you're saying it's it's very true and you know for women how would they they wouldn't know if someone is is lying to them or pretending really ha- you know they'll never know that yeah and then yeah, exactly what can then happen once you get married then the the man realizes the husband is like, i don't like the i actually don't like this setup I don't like it that, um, again, I have like an kind of zero authority here. I, things that I'm requesting, like I was speaking to a sister who coaches um, mm. married couples and she coaches men as well. And she was saying that a father was saying, I can't even to ask for a cup of tea. Um, my wife to make a cup of tea is, um, it's, that's like a trigger. And he was saying, I, I didn't know, I didn't realize what has happened, what's gone wrong that I can't even ask my wife. And she'll say to my, and if I ask my daughter, who's t- a teenager, mum will say to her, no, he can get up and make it himself. And I was thinking, wow, that is, that's so not the way it was when I was growing up. You know, you would make tea for your dad. Your, yeah. m- m- our mothers 
they would make, they would be happy to make dinner for the family. No one's saying like call all the extended family around, even just basic. And it shows the change that's happened 20, 30 years. Things like are not so going- rapidly. Yeah, it's not like, this is the thing that concerns me that if our families, if, if people, okay, even before family is cre- families are not even being created, people are making the wrong decision in choosing a spouse. And then families are then breaking down because of it. And any children that are in those families are then, you know, the kids of divorced parents, I know too many of them. Um, And so this is, it starts, we have to go back and see where is the problem beginning? And and that's the conversation we have to have. Um, But do you find that people, why are Muslims, or are they, maybe I'm wrong here, are Muslims resistant to having these discussions, whether it's in community centers or online or in masajids that, because I find it so essential. That's a great question. That's a great question. And subhanAllah, it's one thing, you know, when say a wife refuses to make tea for her husband, but it's another level of the problem when a daughter refuses to make her father tea, you know, that Mm -hmm. that's really, really shocking. SubhanAllah. Um, Because that just demonstrates numerous levels of of inversion of of roles and authority and and mismatch of who you respect versus who you disrespect, who you take as your authority versus who you take as your your servant. You know, it's like strangers outside CEOs in in the workplace will be treated with more respect than people's own family members, you know, a woman's own husband or her own father under this under this framework, which is really disastrous. And it, it, you know, even for, for men who by and large have been already receiving the message that they need to prioritize their women folk, right? They're already receiving that message for the last, here in Canada, it's been for the last 30 years, right? Um, in the UK, I know that it's, it's slightly more conservative, or at least in some areas, it's considerably more conservative than in Canada. But the fact that these messages are reaching even there demonstrates how far the problem is going. Now, Regarding the question of are people having these discussions and are they resistant to having them, I think it depends on the demographic you look at. If you look at demographics that are already invested in dawah and they are invested in cultures of intellectual exercises, like they want to think, they want to challenge the status quo, they want to understand why society is the way it is and where is it going, you'll find that there is more openness to, have, to having these discussions. And in demographics that are more about blindly just following the stream of thought and activity that they see all around them, they're very resistant. They think it's taboo. Now, even in the first demographics, first set of demographics, I found that even amongst da'is and people who are more intellectual, there's still a resistance to being completely honest. You see this on numerous fatawa sites across the Western world, where when there are questions about gendered issues and family roles, even shuyuk are giving answers that are holding back views you can find if you know where to look in our fiqh. They're holding back on them. They're watering things down to clearly appease the popular culture. And there might be reasons for why they're doing that. Maybe they think that people aren't ready yet, or if they, if they, if they reveal the full 
you know, array of views that are grounded in classical scholarship. It might, it might push people away until they're ready. But what's for sure is that the more they're accommodating this, this dominant frame, the more people are getting comfortable staying in it. They're not, it's not actually working to, you know, get them closer and closer and closer to a, a properly dean oriented understanding of gender and relationships. It's actually worsening the problem. We're seeing that with the millennial generation and then the gen generation Z, the problem is exponentially worse than it was, you know, for, for people who are like 45 and above. Mm -hmm. Much worse. And a lot of parents and, and people who are older, they, they often think that people who are, quote, whistleblowing are exaggerating, but that's because they're, they're not the ones who are on apps like TikTok or Instagram, yes. Yes, right? Exactly. They're, not, they're not seeing what their kids are doing, what they believe you know, what they're calling Islam. Um, and you have on these apps, you have very dangerous figures who are PhDs in, you know, various left-leaning academic fields, and they will claim to be Islamic authorities. They will gain pretty large followings of young people, 15K, 20K, 30K, and they'll be completely uh, misleading them about matters related to all kinds of Islamic practices and beliefs right? From marriage to Akida, worst case mm. scenario, Akida issues. So older people who aren't on these apps, they're not necessarily seeing this. And therefore, they're out of touch with the gravity of the problem. And then even the people who are willing to talk about it, <clears throat> even the people who are willing to talk about it, you can see that there's a, there's a hesitance, because right? they know there's, if, we, if we're open, there's going to be some backlash. Yes. Any complicated difficult um problem it's easier to ignore it just you know walk on by and hopefully it will uh, you know so miraculously it's going to sort itself out and i think this is I, I guess this is one reason but it's funny how i never um what's the word i never planned on discussing this subject but because women kept bringing it up and i kept i've just noticed it so much how marriage for women in particular um, I don't you can tell me if it's the same for men but it's just becoming like a it's so hard now and there are many yeah. many reasons why but um now then this is the thing now alhamdulillah now you mentioned if we you know um so one of the you know take home messages from this would be for for anyone who's looking to get married they need to find out what does it mean to be a husband what should I, you know, like you said, what does it mean to be a man, the role of leadership that don't take the, there are stereotypes about this as well, isn't there, about the stereotype of the angry Muslim husband, and that he Absolutely. will, you know, the angry Islamically minded Muslim husband. Um, and some of that is based on people's experiences. I'm, I'm thinking of people, again, people I know that for, um, they looked Islamic, they gave talks, they, you know, the full nine yards. And then unfortunately in their homes, they, they were mistreating their wives. And um, so it's, you know, it's some, so that exists as well, unfortunately, in our um, community. Absolutely. So how do we, so for, for a woman who she, she wants a husband who fulfills the Islamic criteria husband, how could you, the, the other thing that could be holding her back is she's scared that what if I marry someone who, um, he decides he wants to take, you know, um, the most uh, strict probably isn't the right word, but the most, um, okay, I'm just going to use the word strict for now because I can't think of a better word, interpretation, no, yeah, of mm. 
the rulings um, relating to women and wives. So I'm not going to let her go and visit her, her parents because that's, you know, because so there were hadith that mentioned that. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be, take a very restrictive view. How do we, um, how can we allay the fears of sisters? And, and also how can she, how can women figure out if a, that's how a guy thinks, that's his, you know, interpretation of Islam? Excellent question. Excellent question. And the point you made is, is a very important point. Again, society is complicated and there are different kinds of contexts, right? And each context has unique dynamics. So for example, what might be the case in, in a demographic that's more liberal progressive may not be the case in a, in a demographic that's more conservative leaning, at least to the same extent. So for example, some sisters who are more conservative leaning, they may not be able to relate to the phenomenon of, you know, Desi Muslim girls becoming women and then moving to the city by themselves and starting to date non-Muslim men. Like to them, that's like, what? We've never heard of that. We've never seen that. And yet mm -hmm. it happens frequently in places like Toronto, New York, California. Why? Because these are particular demographics that are more progressive. Maybe their parents were also pretty liberal. Maybe all they cared about was academic, secular academics. You know, they're just cultural. They didn't really practice Islam. So this is the result. In other cases, you might have some exceptions where <clears throat> the parents were strict in their deen. They tried to be accommodating, but they just didn't have a playbook to teach them how should we deal with society. And so their kids went astray and their daughters were targeted by popular culture. It, it got to them. And now they're living a feminist dream, if you will, living in the mm -hmm. city by themselves, right? So <clears throat> it's important that listeners understand that there are different demographics which have different contexts. So if you hear something that doesn't apply to you, then it doesn't mean that you're not being spoken to necessarily, or, or rather, rather it's, it doesn't mean that you're being mischaracterized. It does mean that you're not being spoken to directly. You can rather take that as a learning opportunity to learn about why there are different perspectives. Those perspectives may actually be speaking to real things happening, but those things may not be happening to you, right? So you don't have to take it personally and be like, that's not true. That's not my reality because it may not be your reality, right? But it, yeah. it very, very much is happening elsewhere. And so <clears throat> it could be that your reality was different, that you fell into a, a, a particular demographic. Even if it's a minority, it's still real, right? And in that demographic, there was a very harsh, old school, Desi conservative culturing that reigned. And in that, all you saw was, okay, there is some, some kind of male authority, but all the men seem like they're always angry. Mm. And I don't feel like, like I can breathe around them. So naturally, that's your conditioning. And you may, you may carry some level of complex trauma from that. You may feel like, I don't feel completely safe with them. I don't feel like I'm completely understood. Well, that's a very valid way to feel if that's your experience. But what needs to be understood is that authority is not synonymous with being angry all the time. Yeah. Right. And we know this intuitively in any other context, like a teacher technically has authority over their students. We don't necessarily think that a teacher is going to be angry all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Sometimes they're going to have to be strict. Other times they're going to motivate their students through 
through positive feelings, a, a wide range of positive feelings. And likewise, a husband and a father in Islam is supposed to learn that too. They're supposed to learn to tap into their full emotional range, full emotional range. And that's not often modeled in cultures that are focused on being hyper-repressed. Like they, they, these cultures may be responding to generational trauma. They may have been colonized just recently. For example, uh, Bangladesh, my country of origin, in, in 1971, which is just a few decades ago, faced a tremendous onslaught by other Muslims and many non-Muslim nations were involved. So that's going to naturally impact the population mm. of Bang Bengalis. When they yeah. come to the West, they're carrying that with them to some degree. When they raise their children, some of that's going to be trickling down. And mm -hmm. so if women looking for marriage can learn to understand their own experiences in, in family environments, why did dad act this way? Why did mom act that way? They'll be able to better understand the things that actually make people tick, the things that actually make people behave a certain way. And they'll be able to better read men that they're trying to vet for marriage. And one of the things that a woman should look for is that a man is capable of showing self-awareness. How <clears throat> can he draw inferences from what you're saying can you connect the dots right not everything has to be spelt out can he talk about things he himself has learned lessons he's learned through thick and thin does he seem like he can provide you clear expectations that he has reached right if he has clear expectations <clears throat> that's a good sign right it, it doesn't necessarily mean he's lacking in humility People think if someone's really confident, do they ever think they're wrong? Do they ever, are they ever open to input? Well, no, that's not necessarily the case that they're, they're driven by their ego in, in a one-dimensional way. They may be very open to feedback, but they just have high standards, mm -hmm. right? Like a scholar, <coughs> a scholar who has put a lot of work into becoming where, what they are and where they're at is not going to just blindly take feedback from anyone he's going to want his peers people who are competent and qualified to give him feedback likewise a man who is on his a game he has clear expectations he's going to want qualified feedback right and when a woman looks at a man and his body language and he and she she should look at these these markers because it's very easy for someone to sound confident on paper like, you know, when you're typing or you're texting on apps. But if she sees that in person or when he's speaking, even over the phone or over video chat, <clears throat> if, if she sees that, he's able to breathe under pressure. He's able to actually smile. His eyes show some level of emotion. It's a good indicator that he can access his full emotional range, that he's not just stuck in one, one area, just in anger or just in sadness or just in nodding along saying yes to everything but rather <clears throat> he can tap into a, a full range of emotions and that's important because as i mentioned earlier when a man is leading he has to be able to sometimes take hard stances and he has to be able to sometimes take soft stances based on what the situation demands and if he can't do both he's going to be imbalanced in one direction
he's going to be stuck in one direction where he's supposed to be <clears throat> warm and generous. He is hard and rigid where he's supposed to be firm and courageous. He is a sponge. It's mismatched. So looking at how, how does he appear in his own body? Does he seem like what he's saying on the outside or rather what he's saying matches the way his body language appears, his tone of voice, does it match the substance of what he's saying? Or do they seem like they're really out of sync? Because that demonstrates how congruent he is. And congruence just means does what's on the outside seem to match what's on the inside, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And the final thing I would say is <clears throat> take it easy on being afraid of decisiveness. M women will appreciate decisiveness provided that it's polished with humility and openness to feedback from men. And men have to be decisive because we know that no one is going to come to save us if we make a mistake, right? There's an expectation from society and rightfully so that we get our act together. Sure. You might have friends advising you, you know, you might have caring family members telling you, you got to, you got to sort things out, but there's an expectation that you have to be the captain of your ship. And if you doubt yourself constantly, there's no way you can contend with the world, right? You won't be able to stand up for your, your women folk, you know, when, when the non-Muslim powers try to oppress them, try to ban hijab, if you have, if you're filled with doubt, right? So likewise, this decisiveness can't be something that's inconsistent. Like he's only decisive when I like it, but when it comes to things I don't like, I don't want him to be decisive. A woman has to understand that a man doesn't work that way. He, he's going to be consi more consistent than that. He's, he's more linear, right? He's not going to pick and choose based on appealing to the nafs of, of others. <clears throat> but finally, the last thing she should look for is what is it, what is it that makes him tick? Why is it that he's trying to be decisive about his mission and direction in life? And it should be for something far greater than him. And for Muslims, we know the answer to that is for Allah and his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, right? And, and, and if he has that level of humility where he, he is open to knowing that if, she, if his wife is closer to the truth on something, he's ready to accept that. That's a great sign for women. It's a great sign that he can balance leadership, a leadership that is, that is courageous and firm where it needs to be firm, but it's also built on integrity, honesty. I'm, I'm willing to look at the evidence. I'm willing to look at the data. Women should make sure they try to advise their husbands with good etiquette, of course, because sometimes when a man is, let's say a man, one's husband is doing a great job nine out of 10 times, right? And he's, he's been right about things nine out of 10 times. He's been patient with you, even if you've been wrong about things many more times. Let's assume that that's the situation. The one, if the one time he has been wrong about something, you bring it up like, like he's always been wrong, that's going to be really disrespectful to him because he, what that signals to him is it doesn't matter if I have a good track record with you. No matter how good my track record is, if it's a 98% accuracy rate, the 1% or 2% will matter more to you when I'm wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So that's also something important for women to understand, not to confuse that with him being arrogant. It's, just, it's, it's rather very natural. And even, even women would feel upset. Like if, if a woman is constantly doing her job well, if one time she slips up 
and her husband is upset with her for that. Let's say it's a minor slip. That's not fair. That's extremely cruel, right? So it, likewise, it, it applies to the man as well. And in a very special way, because he's, he's shouldering things as a leader that he doesn't want you to face. The only place he can actually get softness is from you. He, he's not going to get it from society around him. Right. He's having to contend with that society and he's trying to protect you from it, too. So the only place he can really get that softness is from you. So look to see that a man has these elements in place. He's got good body language. He's decisive. What he says seems to match the way he's expressing himself through his body. He can access multiple kinds of emotions. He's not just like a robot. He's not just always angry, but he can access various emotions. And finally, he serves a greater purpose, a purpose greater than himself. He's open to feedback as a result. If you appeal to that greater purpose, he is open to feedback. Jazakallah, mm-hmm. that is, that was really good for you know that's really good bits of advice there so inshallah if sisters so through your um what's the name of your website again but i'll put it in the podcast notes as well uh, it is focus www.focus-180180.com and so the the topics that we just touched upon really um they're the they're the topics you you go into more detail you know via your coaching absolutely yes Mm -hmm. Yes. and i think this is the thing is i think you know when we're thinking of the where we invest our money and time these if i think if people men and women if we're you know when you're seriously looking to get married you know investing in coaching that will help investing in researching and learning from people who you know, our experts in this and who have the experience, that's what we should do. You know, I think we misplace where, we, you know, you know, like people will spend so much money on the wedding day. You know, I'm not criticizing anyone for having big weddings. That's absolutely allowed in Islam. But rather than thinking, folk, if you focus on the pre-merging, getting advice and getting your head straight um, from Islamic coaches, you know, not, you know, because as we know, there were so many terrible non-muslim books on marriage you know i'm just thinking of the book um get the guy and there's a few other ones that i I read you know that you know there's certain maybe little bits we could take from them but none of them have their basis in islam so we need to go to you know that's why that's why i really wanted to get you on to to let my audience know about the work you're doing and if they have brothers or sons or, you know, male relatives, they can then tell them about the work you're doing, inshallah. Um, inshallah. So, um, but jazakallah khair for, for coming on. I found it extremely beneficial, and I'm sure the audience did as well. But would you like to end the podcast with a dua, please? Subhanallah. I would love to, and I'm honored to. Before I do, I just wanted to say that I really appreciate the work you're doing, and I totally, it totally resonates with me when you say, you didn't, you didn't see yourself doing this some years ago, right? It just came up naturally almost in response to a, a demand that existed around you. And that really speaks to my, my own experience. And I appreciate that you've taken the torch and you've taken up this cause because a lot of people are, are not doing so, including amongst the brothers. And so it's, it's very refreshing to see that you are. And I know that your husband is also doing wonderful work with his podcast. And I pray that the two of you are blessed tremendously, that your entire family is blessed tremendously 
for this work that you're doing and you're protected at every step of the way. I ask that you cover all of us in your mercy. I ask that you open doors for us to see with the sight of a believer and to see through the deception that is creeping up into our homes and to let us find confidence and comfort in the teachings of your beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallama and to only turn to him sallallahu alayhi wasallama for our guidance and not away from him sallallahu alayhi wasallama allahumma salli ala sayyidina muhammad allahumma salli ala sayyidina muhammad allahumma salli ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam amin summa amin inshallah if you found this podcast useful please leave a review so others can find out about it currently this podcast is a one-man band. I do produce and do everything on my own. But unfortunately, due to health issues, I'm going to have to reduce the frequency of the episodes that I'm creating. So I really do need to hire some people to help me to produce the podcast and to really market it as well. Now, inshallah, you can help me and support me by doing dua, inshallah, for my health. And secondly, by donating. You can do that via the link in the podcast notes and also on my Linktree bio, which is farhatameen underscore UK. It's on my Instagram bio as well. Your donations will help me cover production and overhead course, and you'll be part of this amazing work, helping me to grow the Smart Muslim podcast to another level so that we can reach more people educating and sharing this beautiful deen, Islam. I'm tremendously honoured and blessed to have a community of people who value what I do. So again, thank you so much for your du'as, reviews and donations. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.